0: So hello again, everyone, and welcome to Friday Voice. I'm Andrea James. I'm your host uh, for all of the Friday Voice series, uh, as well as all the podcasts here at Voice at the Table. So do check out our our website, voiceatthetable.com. It has this and many other resources as well. Today, we have uh, Rena Goldenberg-Lynch, who will be sharing her thoughts on diversity as a business opportunity. You probably know this already uh, if you're on this podcast. Uh, but Reno is the founder of Voice at the Table. So we'll be talking a little bit more about voice when we get into today's topic, since it's completely relevant to what we'll be uh, discussing today. Prior to setting up Voice, Rena has had twenty years of experience as a lawyer. She was at uh, Clifford Chance as a banking lawyer and then director in the legal department of ING. So welcome, Rena.
1: Oh, hello, Andrea! Hi, everyone. I see somebody's been doodling on the slide. <laughs> That's <laughs> and what I was. And just it doing. wasn't me. <laughs> we have a ghost among us. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was you. <laughs> <It's> not me.
0: <laughs> so, could you tell us a little bit about how voice was set up and why you did it?
1: yes sure um, I'd love to and uh, partly because it is relevant to this conversation um, discussion today so as you said I practiced banking law for the majority of my career but alongside that I also mentored um, heavily and extensively both within the uh, organization and outside uh, primarily women more junior women and I also was very involved in uh, the employee forum in fact I chaired it for quite a few few years within the bank within the UK and also across the platform in Europe and the two things that I've learned from my experience uh, there is that um, one is I was really my passion lie not in so much writing contracts but much more in advancing and supporting uh, people uh, women in particular obviously because I myself am a woman and I've experienced some of the challenges that we will be talking about as well Um, but also um, the fact that I noticed that leaders weren't always capable of getting the most out of their resources so the most um, of the talent and contribution. Um, so uh, I set up Voice at the Table to address those two things and that's exactly what we do. We, we work on two levels, one is working with the companies, the management, the leaders to transform culture to make it a lot more inclusive, inclusive to every individual in the team and on the other hand we also work with um, companies supporting the women women working in those organizations um, throughout their entire career uh, progression. So that's what Voice at the Table do.
0: Great, thank you so much. Um, We've had a few people join in. Um, Reena's just been introducing us to how Voice at the Table was set up. So before we begin the presentation, properly today. A quick word about the format. We're going to keep it relatively informal and conversational today. Uh, Rina will be presenting on four key points for about 20 minutes, thereabouts. Um, I'll be monitoring the chat box throughout Rena's presentation. So feel free, whenever you have any questions or comments, do put them in the chat box. I'll be monitoring that all the time. Um, if you'd like to speak to Rena directly, please let me know and I'll unmute you. Uh, during one of these times um, and do note that it will be recorded So if you're happy to be shared with the rest of the voice at the table members uh, Please do uh, let me know and I will unmute you You can also write in the chat box privately to me if you'd like to remain anonymous And of course if Rena asks you some questions uh, It would be great if you could use your chat box to participate
1: uh, So let's um, kick off Rena. Great, thanks Andrea. And so so I am going to make use of this feature of asking you questions. And by the way, I can't see what you're writing because I'm controlling the slideshow, but Andrea will. Um, I want to ask you to let me know whether you believe diversity is a business opportunity and whether your answer is a yes or a no. I'd love to also know why that is. What is it that makes you think it is or it isn't? Um, And if you could let us know while we continue um, the conversation and then we'll bring out some of these points as we speak, Um, that would be really great. Yeah? Okay, so um, let's, let's let's get started. So um, Andrea mentioned that I'll be talking about um, four key points now. Let me make sure the slides are moving. Yes, that's me. Um, and we'll talk about the global business trends. Uh, and some of you have uh, may have already heard me talk about this, uh, Jenny in particular, and um, some colleagues from TFL as well, because we just ran a voice circle for Transport for London yesterday, discussing some of these things. We'll talk about the the, the key global business trends that make uh, diversity not only a business opportunity, but an imperative. And then we'll also talk about the business benefits and I'll I'll show you some examples that I've come across um, that demonstrate how you can make diversity a business opportunity, transform it into a business opportunity so, the, the, there are four megatrends, global megatrends, that will shape um, and change the way that we interact with each other, the way we live, and the way that uh, business will be done. And they are, just to cover all four, diversity of markets, diversity of customers, diversity of ideas. And diversity of talent. So, let me talk a little bit about diversity of markets. And, like Andrea said, if you have any questions, please uh, chime in at any time. So, diversity of markets um, is this notion that um, the, the marketplace, the global marketplace, is changing drastically. And the reason, what, what drives this change primarily is the fact that our population in the world is growing. And that growth is going to, it's estimated to be um, in about at 2025, we're supposed to hit 3.2 billion in population size, which is off, up from 1.8 in 2009. So it's quite a drastic shift. But the most remarkable part about it is that Most of the growth is taking place in Asia, Africa and Latin America. So what that means is that demand is shifting to emerging markets and those emerging markets have a growing middle class and they are looking for products, services and ideas. So for any business to succeed on a global basis, It needs to look at leadership in a different way. It needs to have leaders with a global mindset and global capabilities. And that's diversity of markets. Should we move on to the next um, trend or are there any particular questions or comments at this stage? Um,
0: Yeah, there's one comment uh, saying um, diverse business, offerings and products means greater margins and a greater
1: reach to customers that's what it means to okay very good yes that's exactly on point on the diversity of markets So so the next point is the diversity of customer and this is this idea that our customer base is also changing. Customers are becoming uh, much more sophisticated, Um, their demographics are changing and their attitudes are changing in the kind of things that they are demanding. Technology obviously offers them quite a lot of choice and the fact that the customer base itself is much more diverse there is an expectation from them that uh, products and services will have a much more personalized approach. So if you think of the marketing nowadays, if anything that comes across to you, basic, largely based on some of the sort of the analytics um, that is being gathered by Big Brother, <laughs> if you will, um, this idea that you can personalize uh, marketing to your needs, to your specific sort of uh, hobbies and interests that is all the forming part of this um trend um the diversity of customer trend and the other thing is that not only is it personalized but it's, it's very very sophisticated and then I, I i mention it as an example sometimes that whenever i go back into the city i'm always dumbfounded by the number of fast food shops that pop up being a slight variation on a theme of another uh, um, fast food shop that is, you know, exists or, or already around the corner, and it's just a tiny little change in the way that they present the products, or the way that they package them, or the way that they put them together, and all those work, um, fast food shops are thriving, and that to me is another. Um, uh, is not a piece of evidence that um, customers are very, very specific, very, very sophisticated in their uh, tastes. And that's just in London, in the city of London. You know, so, so businesses will need to be a lot more conscious of that. And in fact, um, Customer centricity is something that will be paramount for businesses going forward. And a lot of them, especially in the tech sector, are creating positions um, that are board positions sitting alongside the CFO and the CEO, uh, uh, roles that are titled entitled Chief Customer Officer, or Chief People's Officer, if you will. Now, what that, that also requires is um, a large amount of empathy, and connectedness because to understand your customer you need to first of all care about understanding them and second of all um, knowing what it means to understand them so that's when where empathy comes in and that's also when diversity comes in because obviously you cannot relate to another person as well as somebody from a different background can relate to a person of that background
0: So can you share with us an example of when a company has done this well and when a company has done this badly, like showing a lack of empathy?
1: Well, yes. Um, So lack of empathy is um, probably something that um, quite a few people have come across um, with businesses that are no longer there. Um, So for example, um, Kodak. Uh, used to be um, a company that was very much at the forefront of technology and everything they offered was very much um, based on their information and their understanding of their customer base. Now since then, Kodak has not continued to, to thrive as much and in fact um, probably is non-existent altogether. And other companies in that space have been able to take advantage of the changing market and the change of customer um, Uh, interest in photography, we have a lot of companies, a lot of individuals who are amateur photographers. I mean, iPhone uh, or Apple in particular is the most dominant example of understanding customers and being diverse. They know exactly what what Apple users or iPhone users want out of the phone. They know exactly how to connect them and how to sell them. Um, And they, incidentally, also are one of the companies who have a chief customer officer on their board. So that kind of gives you an idea of the companies that understand their customers and how, what they do with that versus companies that don't. Great, thank you. Right, so that's diversity of customers. Moving on to the third trend is diversity of ideas. Um, that's the sense that um, with the advent of technology and digital technology in particular, and the fact that information can be shared almost instantly across the globe creates a super connectivity with people. And then there's a third factor, which is the fact that governments are deregulating industries um, slowly but surely across the, 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 the globe. All of these factors together are disrupting the way that business has been perceived How business um, competes and how it adds value. It also disrupts how we consume things. I mean, just think of Airbnb, think of Uber. These are companies that have completely turned on um, their head, its head, the idea of um, uh, hotels hotel rooms, the fact that you can rent out your house or a room in your house as a hotel, something that virtually just, just didn't exist before. And that came through the innovation. So businesses compete differently. Um, consumers are looking for a lot of um, free value, if you will. Um, that again makes it very, very difficult for, for companies to, um, to offer their products in the old fashioned way. All this means is that in order for companies to compete going forward, the diversity of ideas means you've got to innovate. You've got to innovate and you've got to innovate fast. In fact, I like to quote Bill Gates, who says, um, in order for your business to survive, it's pretty much innovate or die. So innovation is a big key, and innovation obviously comes from um, diversity, because the more diverse views you have around the table, the more ideas you will have. And um, how do you come up with these wonderful breakthrough innovations? You do that by casting your your net very, very widely. Um, And in fact, um, there is a, a recognized notion that the diversity of thought is your strategy against groupthink. So groupthink is considered to be the antithesis of ideas and creativity. And I'd like to read to you a quote from one of the um, tech uh, company CEOs who says what, what that actually means in terms of leadership going forward. So for leaders, he says, It's making sure that you have little risk of being blindsided by something that a diverse team would have known about and would have identified as an opportunity or a risk. I think it brings far greater confidence to the decision making when you know you are being supported by people who have far more diverse points of view. So that's the idea of um, diversity of, of ideas
0: yeah it's it's a very important one and something that i think a lot of companies do in um this is nice but in practice they um somebody who presents a, an idea that doesn't sit with mm-hmm. the rest of the team for example um it's it may be looked on like a negative uh thing um, yeah actually presented so it's it's an interesting one i think
1: it, it is, Andrea, because I mean, that, that's the other coin of diver- of the, the other side of the coin of diversity, which is inclusion. So in order to bring out this diversity, it's one thing to talk about it and to understand it. It's another thing of actually harvesting it or harnessing it. Mm. And you can't really do it without being inclusive. And inclusive actually means you know, um, uh, listening to that point of view that's very different from you. Or even if you disagree with it, letting it shine. Moving on from diversity of thoughts to diversity of talent. And that's the one that I think we will mostly, um, that will mostly resonate with many of us because this has to do with what a lot of companies actually understand as being the most important asset of their business and that's its people. (coughs) And the fact is talent is becoming much more scarce in the world. And it's very difficult to feel that in a city like London because everybody wants to be here. But it's a trend that will not stop. And I've heard stories of businesses here, in fact, even yesterday, um, where actually talent um, is becoming much more difficult to attract to your particular uh, job or company. Let me, let, me, let me give you some statistics to, to explain what I mean by that. So, at the moment, we're looking at a, an aging population across the globe, and it's predicted that by in 2050, those aged 65 and over will reach 22% of the global population. And let's, let's remind ourselves that the, the global population is growing and growing and growing. So it's gonna be a massive um, number of people who are going to be virtually non-employable. And just to compare it to where we are today, 10% of the population today are over 65. So we have an aging population and that is going to create a problem for talent. <coughs> the other phenomenon that's relevant here is that higher education is um, being exported and is available in many different parts of the world now and globally. And it's creating a group of very highly mobile and highly educated workers. So by 2030, for example, China will have more graduates than the entire US workforce today. And India will produce four times as many graduates as the United States By 2020 that's three years from now and these are people who will of course they want to come to London and they will want to come to different places in the world but they will be looking for companies that reflect their experience and their uh, demographics as well the other thing that's relevant here is um, the so-called millennials and that because they're coming of age now as well and this generation will comprise fifty percent of the global workforce by 2020. Again, that's three years from now. They have very different expectations and different attitudes to work, and I'm sure if you've uh, if you are one or you have worked with one, perhaps you've encountered that. Um, but, and they will be very integral to shaping the culture in companies and in the future they have a very different attitude to work-life balance to what they want out of life they do want to bring their whole self to work they don't want to have to fit into a particular mode uh, sorry mold and they want to and they care they care about things beyond making money however today Uh, Until today, uh, data suggests that many of the companies have struggled to attract a a very diverse pool of employees and that's gonna be a problem. Uh, It's gonna be a problem for many companies, um, starting out in the tech sector, but going forward in in some of the others, in all of the others really. Just to give you an example, um, in terms of the diversity of where we are today, and I'm just gonna focus on gender for now. At the moment, women across the world hold only 12% of corporate board seats. So that's very, very um, low in terms of representation of women's um, representation in society in general. We know that 52% of us are women. So these are the four... um, trends the global trends that make diversity not just an opportunity but an imperative to change and i'm going to pause here for some thoughts um do people have any ideas or thoughts or comments have they seen this already have you experienced any of this in your own workplace because um, i get the sense that some of this is more relevant than um some of the other things because we haven't felt it yet have people heard about these?
0: We've got some, uh, there hasn't been an answer to that yet of course, Uh, but we've had a question to say, um, to ask, where can uh, the listeners find the stats that you've quoted?
1: Um, For, I can provide them, I can provide the stats, but really just a little googling exercise will um, support all of that. There's lots and lots of research out there that shows if you go on Harvard Business Review, for example, lots of good information about uh, how leadership needs to change and what's driving that change. Um, there are lots of other articles. A lot of the, the big consulting firms are producing very big reports. I'll I'll continue to cite some examples as we go through the benefits. But if there is any, any specific information that you would like me to to give you the source for, just email me, email rena at voiceatthetable dot com, and I'll be able to give you the source.
0: There is yeah. another question. Um, you you mentioned inclusion earlier. Are there any case studies of notable companies that have fostered uh, that inclusion piece and how?
1: Are there any case studies um, that have essentially that have
0: done well in in practicing inclusion?
1: Yeah, there are not many, but the one that stands out uh, by miles is Google. Mm -hmm. And again, um, if you read, in the press um, or online about Google and what they have done you'll see what they've done we have um, in, in the conference that we're hosting in June which is an inclusion conference um, the, the head of uh, diversity in Google is going to talk about it and, and tell us how they've done it Google have done a lot um, to ink um, to encourage inclusion and they've done it from the very beginning we see inclusion is their strategy for success and they have uh, like I mentioned earlier, a chief people's officer who is paid to ensure that employees are happy. So, and there are many, many examples of other things that they do. So um, I would point to them as the first, sort of the best case study um, to look at. But we can talk about that. I talk about inclusion separately as well because there's lots to say about that as well. That's okay. If we if we go on now, just very quickly because we're past 20 minutes, um, about the benefits of harnessing a workplace diversity. So the first one I've already alluded to is the fact that diversity creates innovation. We know there's a need for it and, and creativity and improves team performance. And the way that is set out is that um, when you have a group of people that is Um, very homogenous it doesn't really they don't know what they don't know and it's very difficult to come up with new concepts and new ideas so there there, here's a a quote that I'd like to read to you um, from an article on this topic it says nobody knows everything and no group of people knows everything but a peculiar attribute of homogenous groups is that they can be unusually blind to what they don't know So when you have people from different backgrounds and genders and races come together to solve a problem, they bring with them different information, different opinions and different perspectives. And this mix of perspective brings with it a a grab bag of benefits. And that includes enhanced creativity, fuller understanding of market issues. we talked about that, the fact that people have experienced different markets themselves fresher ideas and more spontaneous breakthroughs. And that's also on the back of the fact that you know, the, the inclusion aspect of it. So if it's, if it's acceptable to share your diverse thinking, then you will also be much more ready to embrace um, different thinking and it will take you on a different path, taking you through to some breakthrough thoughts and ideas. And some examples of that um, come also partly from the tech um, sector. So I mentioned Google, for example. Google don't do inclusion out of the goodness of their heart. They do it because they know the benefits it brings them, especially innovation and innovation and creativity space. So Gmail, for instance, was born out of their uh, drive for inclusion and diversity. Gmail was born out of, they have this um, program, this notion of uh, 70-20-10, and what that means is that they allow all their employees to work on the basis that 70% of your time is spent doing the job that you're paid for, 20% of the time is spent on doing something work-related, but it does not have to be your job, and it can be anything, and 10% of the time is done is is spent doing whatever you want, be it walking the dog or sleeping at your desk or not doing anything at all, it's entirely up to you. And the way that Gmail uh, came out is that a, a bunch of engineers took advantage of the 10% rule, went down to the pub or the bar, had a couple of beers, started talking about their, you know, the, I wish my email did this and that, and then they said, hey, why don't we form a little group and talk about this, so they transitioned the 10% into the 20%, and in the 20% they started experimenting and trying and build and, and code and all of that, and then after a number of prototypes obviously um, Gmail was born, it, it was It was a free product available and it's a multi-billion pound or dollar, I should say, product for Google today. So like I said, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. The other thing here is, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard moonshot teams. And this is this concept that um, as a business, you create a team where you give them the opportunity to dream up concepts. So you're basically giving them a space to create it doesn't have to make commercial sense it doesn't have to um have anything to do with the uh, daily business you essentially shoot for the moon that's why it's called moonshot you can think of it as as, um like a tesla experiment you know elon musk when he's, he's talking about now going to the moon and and space travel this is the kind of stuff that we have a hard time a hard concept to understand today he's talking about it because who knows where it may lead him tomorrow that's moonshot teams And the last example on innovation and what companies are doing is one that's um, specific to my own bank where I used to work. They had a department and it was called the Customer Experience Center. And again, it was away from the main building. It was set up very, very California style, very relaxed, very unlike city or this. This is a Dutch bank. So it was in Amsterdam. It was Amsterdam is very similar to the city in in that it's very traditional, very conservative in in certain ways. Uh, This was very, very different. And people were encouraged to come up with some ideas that might help the business, um, like on a retail basis, come up with different types of apps or different types of engaging customers. So out of that, for example, we were sitting at a table and and the the top of the desk was, it was like a screen, an LCD screen where you can move um, icons around and turn them around and was talking to somebody who had a mortgage on a house with the bank and you, you were able to basically paint or draw a picture on the screen Uh, with the customer on the other side. It's a much more engaging process. The other thing that came out of it is that they came up with these um, piggy banks uh, that looked like little ATM machines for children. And anytime you opened a a child account at um, ING, um, the the, the child would get the little piggy uh, bank, the the money-saving bank. um, And anytime you put a coin in, there was a digital display telling, telling you how much money you've saved. You know, So these are kind of the little things that came out of, 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 um, of this uh, uh, experiment and pe- when you allowed people to take the time and to think beyond uh, the, the daily routine. So that's innovation. Should I go on? Yes, please. Right. Higher earnings and um, returns on equities. There are quite a few reports out there that confirm that um, having diversity at the various levels actually leads to making more money. So the first one I'd like to cite is a report by Catalyst. And Catalyst is um, an American think tank and they do quite a lot of um, research on diversity in particular. And they have a report called The Bottom Line, corporate performance and women's representation on boards Um, and that research found that uh, having more women um, on board at board levels as board directors um, makes companies and these are fortune 500 companies perform better financially um, better than those who didn't have any women on the boards and I'll give you some statistics So the return on equity of those um, companies was that the female friendly companies outperformed the competition by 53%. In terms of return on sales, companies with more women on their boards saw a 42% higher return on sales. And that was also confirmed to me actually by a woman who runs sales for Procter & Gamble UK. And she did the same thing. She just insisted on putting together a diverse sales team. And as an experiment, she compared it to those that weren't diverse. And she showed to her bosses, to her board, how, how the, the diverse teams of men and women and various backgrounds and diversity outperformed in sales, the more homogenous teams. So why do you think this is? Well, I think it's because again we can relate better to customers when we have diversity. We have higher levels of empathy because we understand them differently. You know, so so you know if you have, um, let's say the typical example of let's say forty-some-year-old uh, white men selling products to women it's very difficult for them to relate to those women and their sales are just not gonna be that good. Um, I'll give you an example that that was given to me about designers, let's say uh, manufacturing and design of automobiles, cars. So the question that we were asked is how many women drive and in a big, big uh, ballroom of of, uh, people, everybody raised their hands or women all raised their hands and then the question was, and how many of you have a car that had a place for your bag in it? And no one raised their hand. And that's because cars are designed primarily by men. By men, but they're not all driven by women. And that's what I'm saying. is, So, so there is that, isn't that empathy to your customer. We talked about customer centricity.
0: That's a great example. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yes, uh, and, and, and so on and so on. There are lots of other, Credit Suisse did a research um, uh, report as well that basically showed that, um, uh, uh, let me just read it to you. In testing the performance of 2,360 companies globally over six years, Our analysis shows that it would have, it would on average have been better to have invested in corporates with women on their management boards than in those without, because those women, uh, those with just outperformed, had lower risk profiles. And, um, and this is also sometimes now, uh, is being rolled out as an investment strategy to look at the board composition. Do they have any women on the board? I'm mean, gonna I tell you, when the Volkswagen um, sort of disaster came out a few years ago, the scandal about uh, essentially just um, hiding information, my first question was how many women on that board? Surprise, surprise, do you know how many, Andrea? None. <laughs> Good guess. Good guess! Of course, it's not a correlation, but I wonder whether this could have been differently, it could have been avoided. And a lot of people also, you know, uh, when we're talking about the financial crisis, uh, Christine um, Lagarde, you know, the, the, the head of the IMF, has very frequently said, um, or has been quoted to say, if Lehman Brothers had been Lehman sisters, perhaps we wouldn't be in this mess today. You know, And she said it tongue-in-cheek, but we, we get what she's saying, I think. And there's data that supports it. So that's ret- higher returns on earnings and equity. And like I said, this is a very, very well-documented space.
0: I'm just going to quickly remind you that it is uh, nearly ten past one.
1: Okay. Thank you. Right. Okay. Quickly on expanded pool of talent then. Very, very quickly. And I have the data to back it up if anybody wants to know more about it. This is this idea of the the, the changing population and the dearth of talent coming in. Already we are seeing this. Already there are lots of jobs out there that cannot be filled. Um, At this stage, uh, a lot of them are in the tech sector, but things like marketing managers and physical therapists or registered nurses as well are suffering the fate. And the reason is, is because the recruitment only focuses on a very narrow pool of candidates. So we have to expand wider to be able to benefit from that. And this is what this is um, about. And I'm just rushing through improved decision making. Um, this is, again, the point about the fact that we're um, dealing with a much more creative um, teams. Um, there has been lots of research to show that if you put together a team of diverse backgrounds, so there's, there's a particular study where you put three people's team, people on the team together and you compare how they solve problems, and this was done in the context of solving murder mysteries, and the team that had the most diverse group of people, mind you, not necessarily more intelligent, but just diverse backgrounds was able to solve the mystery much more quicker and much better than the team with homogenous people on it. And the reason they say is because again, you don't know what you don't know. So a team of similarly minded individuals, we all assume we know the same information. So we don't share data. We don't share because we assume everybody knows it. Whereas if you come from a different background, you can't make that assumptions. You know you're different. So therefore, if you know something, you have to share it. And so the fact that they were able to share more information led them to uh, be able to solve um, the mystery quicker. better services for customers that again has to do with the way that you hire your team. So if you need to expand your pool of, um, uh, of, of clients or customers to another segment or another area or another type of thinking, you know, like we were saying, you know, the fact that, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the children's products nowadays on TV, they're sold to white, white kids, but kids of, um, Asian and black and any kind of other ethnicity might have different needs. And if we were able to tap into understanding um, what those customers need, we would obviously also be able to produce products that address their needs better. So better services um, for customers as well. Right. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm jumping to the conference only because I think the case for diversity is very, very strong. And even if I were to assume that you all believe this with me, um, I think believing in diversity is one thing. I mean, one of the things that I hear companies say all the time is, look around, look how we have 170 cultures represented in this building. Yes, you do. But how do you harness a diversity? Are they allowed to be themselves? Are they allowed to speak their mind and bring their experiences in? And most of the time, the answer will be no. Nobody ever says it, but I know it's usually no. And that's because the culture isn't inclusive enough. So you need inclusion to bring all the diversity in. And the reason I put up this slide is because we have a conference that talks about that in June I'm just going to put it right there. If you're interested, click on on the uh, link there or just go on the website and have a look. Um, It's going to address a lot of these issues, um, but from an inclusion perspective. So it's how to bring your own individual diversity in and from a company's perspective, how do you tap into that individual um, diversity and leverage it for the business? And I think... That's it. I suppose I should mention next, um, the next uh, Friday Voice is taking place on... I can't see it's covering on the slide the date. Can you see, Andrea? Yeah, it's
0: the 30th of June.
1: The 30th of June, and that's um, on how to be a successful working parent. So a little bit about um, work-life balance, how to ditch the mum, mum guilt, uh, dad guilt... Um, And it's presented by Emily Thorpe, who runs a business um, called Happy Working Mum. She's also one of the panelists um, at our conference, and she's also one of um, our um, Associates at Voice at the Table. So be sure to sign up for that. Um, The link is already on the um, calendar. So please just click on it and sign up. (coughs) Excuse me. That's all for me. Are there any questions? Um, Yeah, there are.
0: Um, One of them is um, a little bit different. Uh, It's a question of how to get a start in a career in diversity and inclusion. Uh, What would be a career path, for example?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I love it. Um, Well, what I did, so so obviously, first of all, you're very passionate about this, um, and that's the starting point. Um, The other thing then is to try and find a role Um, in that position there are quite a few now being created and being filled Uh, some of them are shared with another HR type position I know somebody who's just she had a very similar um, desire and she was in recruitment so she actually um, went into a job for Expedia uh, which is a part-time recruitment and part-time head of diversity job So that's a good way of doing it. Um, Have a look, I think, for openings and don't be afraid to apply even if you don't think you have all the skills. The fact that you are passionate about it gets you 60 to 70% there and the rest you can learn. It's not rocket science. It requires um, uh, a lot of commitment. Resilience as well, because it can be a frustrating job, um, but it's definitely doable. Um, actually, we've got a
0: taker to be unmuted to ask you the question.
1: Okay, great.
0: Uh, go ahead. Um, Hello. Hello.
2: Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, um, sorry, my name's Harry. Thank you for the presentation so far. It's been amazing. Just to give you some background about me, um, I recently certified as a life and business coach. Uh-huh. And one of the areas that I want to go into is diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've seen the benefits of what that's doing now, partly because I've seen the lack of it in my current sector or my current work background. Yes. So I work. Uh, my background's been in fashion. Um, oh. Unfortunately, unfortunately, retail hasn't really got there yet in terms of head office buying and merchandising. However, mm-hmm. I've now been partnering with the likes of um, banks who happen to understand where this movement is going. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess my question is around, I'm super passionate about it to the point where I'm now getting that exposure. And this is partly why I'm on this call. Mm -hmm. Um, My question was mainly around, I'm doing it through setting up my own business as a coach. Yeah. However, is there a way for me to get even more involved or get more... I don't want to say leverage, but just more experience and just be a part of something?
1: Well, there are lots and lots. And first of all, thank you for sharing. And um, again, thank you for um, coming on, on this podcast and caring enough about the subject to want to do something about it. Um, it's a thriving space at the moment, obviously. You, w- you will have noticed that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I-, I find that there is a lot of... Um, great rhetoric from companies about wanting to do the right thing and Mm. to a great extent it's maybe wanting to do something and not really knowing how to a great extent it's doing something that we think is the right thing to do to another extent it's our customers want us to do it and so we're doing it um and my my thinking on this was i don't really care what your motivation is if you let me do it i will work with you and hopefully you'll get the sense of it later you'll get the benefit Yeah. Yeah. so so that's what I would do is, is um, start with a, as, as low a threshold as you can, not necessarily niche yourself. Uh, it could be it could be something that you can say you have an expertise in or an interest in as you work with companies. But my suspicion is, is as soon as you start working with any company, that will be one of the topics that will come out. So I'm, I'm a coach myself and I work with a lot of other coaches. Um, and okay they they often say that and we work so i have a distinct expertise in this space because that, that's that's pretty much what i care about um okay. but they have other expertise in leadership and and leadership development and all kinds and anytime they work with um uh, primarily women but this is what I hear but obviously other uh, in other spaces as well um the opportunities for this conversation comes up so you just have to you know be open to it Mm -hmm. but not necessarily narrow yourself to it because I think it's everywhere
2: yeah and I I've been super mindful of not niching to a particular yeah um net this you know how they set up networks within organizations i've been mindful that i won't cater to one but be open to add value wherever under the umbrella of dni yeah Yeah.
1: um
2: my struggle i think has been i know there's a need for it i've seen the benefits of what that can be like from personal experience
1: yeah
2: um for someone who thinks quite differently but what i'm finding is i'm it's difficult to get that traction yeah. because my background has always been fashion and yeah. i'm now starting to go into like the corporate banking world and yeah. i need i'm i'm not having the exposure that i need to really make that um, that impact yeah.
1: But it's it's also because that world is saturated with, with similar people. And it's not so much because, you know, they have to choose based, you know, if they have a lot of people applying, they'll have to choose um, somebody and the way they make that selection, unfortunately, still today, and this is also evidence of the fact that they're not changing just yet. They'll mm-hmm. go with somebody who has that experience, whereas you and I both know, there's no absolutely no reason not to hire somebody in fact there's more of a better argument to hire somebody without the banking experience to come in but Mm. that that's how they select um, out of you know the bigger pool of of, uh, support supporters and providers but what I would say is the more you write and talk about it Mm. uh, about your interests what you add value the kind of things that you've observed the conversations you're having all the different stories you come across, both in the fashion industry and in the banking industry, all those things, the more you talk about that, the more people are going to see your value to them and you won't necessarily have to always try to convince them. So look for opportunities to speak as a PR exercise and look for um, lots and lots of blogs.
2: Blogs, yeah.
1: Yeah. But there is unfortunately no easy way.
2: Yes, yeah, I understand.
1: Thank you so much for, um,
0: for, for having a conversation with us today.
2: Okay. No, thank you for your advice and thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So another question is, you talked a lot about the global trends. How yes. do you see diversity and inclusion being related to artificial intelligence? Because that is one of the big trends as well.
1: Yes, artificial intelligence. So, so that's an interesting one, um, because it's, it's much broader a um, subject, a topic, than we sometimes understand it to be. Yeah. Um, so we're talking of the series of the world of the alexas the echo dot from amazon that's artificial intelligence and one of the things that i like to point to is an example i read about a while ago and that's um artificial intelligence that that lets people experience the world differently from the way they might at that point so what i'm talking about is um It was an experiment um, run at Harvard, at Harvard Business School, and um, they developed a suit that you put on and it inhibits some of your actions, some of your um, activities, and lets you experience the world as an, an elderly person. So as an elderly person would, so it inhibits your vision, it inhibits your motion. Um, you can't reach for everything, you can't run for the bus as quickly as you might without it. Um, and the idea behind this suit was to let you understand uh, what you're missing out on. You know, let you understand the you know be a little bit more empathetic to a, a market that must be completely closed off to you. You can imagine the benefits in the health sector, for example, for something like that. You know, coming up with all these different products. So that's artificial intelligence that is used in a different way, but it also gives you the experience of being diverse. And I think this can obviously be expanded in many different ways. I mean, you you had a great example as well, Andrea, about you know, the learning, right?
0: Yeah. You know, we basically, this the root of artificial intelligence. The beginning of it is some programmers thinking about which area to focus on. And if the team is sort of homogenous, then they're going to be focusing on things that just fit within that team and not expand out into areas that customers might be interested in. So that's a really important.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So you can't really teach your machine something that you yourself are not aware of. So at least
0: start the ball rolling. Yeah. The machine might learn, but you've got to um, often set that um, initial focus.
1: Yeah. 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 So that's, that's a really important point for um, any kind of technology, but AI as well.
0: Well, we are running out of time now uh so we've got just a couple of minutes left if you've got a last minute question uh just put that into the box uh while we wait i'll just say that uh having worked in a number of companies you know in my time and seeing how it is very very difficult to be inclusive as it were or managers find it difficult to so when i raise uh, a point that is not in keeping with their plans and just it's it's um, a risk factor for example it it was potentially seen as negative and i have to say working with rena she genuinely uh walks i mean she she hasn't put me up to this or anything like that it, it, i've seen it uh, in the meetings if somebody does have um a, a a viewpoint that is a little divergent or um left field um it's, it's taken on board very well. I think it, it has made a difference. So. Oh,
1: thank sense. you. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad the camera isn't on at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I think that are, that's all the questions. Um, if I've missed out on anything, let me know. Um, otherwise, thank you very much, Serena, for your presentation.
1: Thank you. And thanks very much for everyone who was listening. Uh, thanks for taking the time out uh, to join us. We'll send it out as a recording, won't we, Andrea? Yes, we will. Yeah, great. Well, have, have a good ha- afternoon and bank holiday weekend.
0: Yeah, and uh, hopefully it'll be nice to see you at the conference and meet you in person. Uh, if not, join us next month again for Friday Voice. I'm Andrea James. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.